Hello, welcome to this latest RD Audio podcast. My name is Steve Joy. I'm the Head of Researcher Development at the University of Cambridge. And in this recording, I interviewed Dr. Geraint Wynne-Story about the importance of creativity for researchers. Now, Gez has a background in research. He did his PhD in plant sciences at Cambridge, and he worked in industry and eventually came into the university to work as a researcher developer specialising in life sciences, and he now runs his own business. And he has a long-standing interest in the practice of creativity. And so in what follows, you're going to hear him share some advice about how to develop your creativity and how to deploy it to assist you in your research. And most importantly, what he emphasises is that creativity is not an innate attribute that some of us are born with and others of us don't have, but rather it's a muscle, it's a skill that you can develop and exercise and get really good at using. So I hope you find what he says valuable. As ever, there are a link to resources in the notes and we'll be back with further RD audio podcast recordings in the weeks to come. So Gez, from your point of view, what role does creativity have in a PhD or a research degree? Okay, well, I, I think before that, you take a step back and, you know, what, what role does creativity play in a PhD? But what role does creativity play in society as a whole? And, and I think, well, at, at the moment, I mean, creativity is absolutely huge because um, I, 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 think, I think things have changed a lot in the last... 20 years or so if you look at the age of the internet i mean pretty much every bit of knowledge you need is is available it's in your phone it, it, it's in your pocket um and whilst i don't want to play down knowledge i mean things are changing pretty quickly when i did my phd for example i was in a really fast moving area of molecular biology and you know that that knowledge is going to be out of date pretty soon but actually it's sort of the skills you acquire and you know especially in RDP, you'll know about these things, you know, things like argument development presentation. But I think creativity is one of those things. It's what I think is possibly the most important thing that's going to help us change with a fast changing world and be that world inside or outside academia. Creativity is going to help you deal with that. I mean, for instance, at the moment, um, with what's going on with, with COVID-19, it's kind of what we call a, a black swan. The the thing you didn't see coming, but which changes absolutely everything. And I think creativity is one of those things that instead of staying stuck where you are thinking, oh God, I wish everything would go back to the way it was. You, you look forward and think, right, how am I going to deal with this? How am I going to respond? So I think it's particularly relevant at the moment, a creative response. But, but in research, I mean, if we go back to sort of everyday research and you know, I forget what's going on with COVID-19, um, with creativity within research, you could look at it at a really big level because creativity is going to help you think about the question that you're asking, your approach to it. Am I asking the right question? So defining what your question is, it'll also, creativity is going to help you when you're looking at your data or the information that you've gathered. What do I do with it? What, what do I see there? And, you know, and you think a great example could be like Fleming, Alexander Fleming, for example, looking at those experiments he did that you think think they'd worked they'd got contaminated but because he looked at them a second time he looked at things in a different way you know he he sort of discovered what antibiotics you know, the future of antibiotics was going on there so so i think yes the way you define your question the way that you analyze your data you can look at it in different ways but it's also the day-to-day -day stuff just how do you spend your day 
Um, how do you do literature searches? How do you write up your data? So as well as the really big questions, I think it's just how effective you are, how efficient you are. I feel like some people would be surprised to hear you saying that you can take a creative approach to the literature review of a PhD. Can you say a bit more about how you see creativity playing out in some of those maybe even more mundane mm. aspects of the research, you know, the bit that we all feel we have to get through before we can get to the really good stuff? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I would say, for instance, I mean, what, what makes a good literature review is sort of critical analysis. It's not just reporting what you see. You don't just say what has happened. You need to be saying why it's happened. And certainly if you're going to be getting a PhD from Cambridge, people are going to be expecting you to go a little bit further, sort of comparing what's happened. So that creativity is making connections that were not there before, taking two previously published articles, maybe from different fields, and thinking, hang on, there's a connection here. That's really interesting. So, you know, there's various definitions of creativity, but I think linking two previously unconnected things, and that, that's going on in the literature. I mean, there's so much more emphasis from research councils these days about interdisciplinary work, and that's what's going on. So, I mean, a lot of creativity is exposing yourself to new things, but, you know, saying, you know, I'm not going to sign up to that conference because that's got nothing to do with me. I think creativity, you've got to spot what habits you've got and try and break some of those habits, going to a new conference, doing something interdisciplinary from time to time, um, just exposing yourself to new things because that's where the ideas are. That's where you're going to meet new people and have creative ideas. And I wonder whether there's also something around creativity in our relationship to failure and making the wrong decision or things going wrong which is an inherent part of the the research process do you see do you see creativity i suppose having a connection to things like resilience i think so a, a huge part actually because yeah you've, you've already brought up that word failure failure is a big part of creativity i think um there's i can't remember which philosopher said that um life works uh, well life only makes sense working backwards but unfortunately life goes forwards i think it was cake card but but yeah if you, if you look at um, someone's career path it just looks like a string of successes but actually what we don't see are all the failures that were along the way um i mean there's loads and loads of people you could look at like um, famous people like edison you know talked about the thousands of things that he knows that that don't work Unfortunately, we don't tend to get publications out of things that don't work, but, but there are thousands of things that won't work. And I think something you can just Google is PhD of, of failures. I think there's a, there's a quite a famous, and the, and the guy who made is actually <laughs> quite angry in, in a sort of joking way that his PhD of failures is a damn sight more famous than his, <laughs> sorry, than, than, than his CV of things that he did right. <laughs> but, but, but yeah, that failure, it is part and parcel of creativity and it's part and parcel of, of research, but it's that resilience, I guess, a, a growth mindset, which is failure will come along, but it's how you respond to it that's absolutely critical. Do you look to blame or do you say, oh, I'm not going to do that again? Or do you look at, well, what went wrong there? What can I learn from this? What can I do next time? That's creativity in there. Um, it is in that mindset of picking yourself up and, and getting on with that. And, and a lot of that will kind of depend on experiences from the past, I suppose, and the feedback you've had from other people. I mean, when I was doing my PhD, for example, I had an, a neighbor 
who was studying, I think he was looking at psychology of sort of primary school children. And he was already looking at the approach that children have about three or four years old of approach to difficult tasks. And even by the age of three or four, some children are already saying, well, I can't do that, so I won't have a go at it. And a lot of that, you know, I guess, is that genetic or is that parental influence? But already by the age of three or four, you can see how some people are getting on to more of a creative route and some people aren't, because even by that early age, people are starting to decide, there's no point in having a go at that because I can't do it. Whereas some people have got a far more progressive approach of, well, let's just have a go. Let's see what happens. And if I fail, I, I learn. That really does seem to invite the question. Do you think some people are fundamentally more creative than others? <laughs> yes and no, I would say. Um, I think, well, sorry, I, I probably missed a, a minor word in, in, in your in your question. It's, are, well, let me rephrase it. Are some people more creative than others? Yes. But does everybody have the same potential to be creative? I'd say yes. Because I think, actually, there's a great video you can Google by, by John Cleese. Um, and one of the things he says in that is, and I, this really changed my view on creativity, that creativity is not a talent, it is a way of working. It's not a talent, it's a way of working. But that comes back to what I was saying about young children there, who already are being influenced at an early age, you know, saying, oh, aren't you creative? Aren't you really good at this? And they will have another go. So I think creativity is something that people get feedback on, they tolerate failure and they get good at it and they get told you're creative and then you start to think oh i'm creative so those people might then go into more of a creative lifestyle whereas people quite early in their own, in their life might have been told well you're not very creative or you're not very good at that well i've taken that to heart and i think that might have hampered that creativity quite early um so i think i mean it, it's certainly true that negativity really kills creativity I mean, if that's even your own negativity or someone else's creativity, or even if you're trying to be creative with a group of people, it only takes sort of one naysayer in the group to have a negative vibe. And it's amazing how easy it is to kill that vibe of creativity. Somebody has a good idea, somebody immediately puts it down and that person sort of folds their arm and says, oh, oh thank you very much. <laughs> you can see how easy it is to kill. But I think it's it's also quite easy to nurture it as well. So, you know, it's a roundabout way to answering your question. I think some people are more creative than others, but it can be nurtured in everybody. I think it can be rekindled. Um, and certainly on, on the workshop that I run you know, in the University of Cambridge, I certainly wouldn't run that if I didn't, if I thought it was just, you know, an innate thing. I run it because I think with a few tools and techniques, you can boost your creativity. And that's, that's going to help your research. That seems to make a rather perfect segue into uh, <laughs> my question. What can we do to be more creative, guys? What tools and techniques can we learn and try? Um, well, I think, I mean, my own belief on this is only part of the block to creativity is creativity itself. It's actually creativity is a part of lots of other things, such as, as I said, you know, that nurturing. But for instance, um, 
I think uh, part of creativity has got to be the preparation, such as are you asking the right question? And a lot of people might waste an awful lot of good creativity on a bad question. What I mean by that is um, you've got to try and abstract your question and try and get to, to the why. I mean, for instance, I remember, I think it was Kevin Byron who came to Cambridge a few years ago and gave an example of this. Um, and it was, say, if your, your, your task is, I want to build a better mouse trap. Well, you might think for ages, what can we do? Can we, can we build a better spring? Can we, can we make it bigger? Can we put better bait on it? But what you've got to ask is why? Why am I doing this? And, and the why is, well, actually to catch mice. So asking the better question. So instead of spending all this creative energy on trying to build a better mousetrap, you spend your creative energy on the correct question, which is we're trying to catch mice, which is, okay, we put the food in jars, stop the mice getting in, we put it on the top shelf, we get a cat, uh, we get the exterminator in, I don't know. But, so I think that that's the, something that's absolutely fundamental to creativity. And so far, we haven't had to be more creative yet. We're just creating the circumstances in which creativity's gonna pay off a little better. You've also so very think, neatly given us a tactic for writing better job applications and better grant applications. Focus on the why, not the what. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think that that's absolutely critical is the preparation that you do so that the creativity is channeled into the right places. Some other things you can do are, well, to nurture it. So if, you, if you're saying to yourself, I'm not very creative, well, try and do a few creative things. It's a little bit like going to the gym. You're not suddenly going to the, go, to the, go to the gym and lift massive heavy weights. You need to start doing some small things. Go for a little run first. I'll try on the, on the smaller weights or go in the rowing machine. And I think creativity is like that. So doing things like have a go at the cryptic crossword. I mean, I, I, I still can't get my head around the cryptic crossword, but anything like that, or, or try a bit of um, sketching or painting and drawing, all those things you might have done as a kid. And as I'm talking to you right now, I'm not, I've got Lego bricks in front of me. I absolutely love playing with Lego bricks. So again, nurturing my creativity, there's lots of color, different shapes. But and playing, playing is absolutely central to creativity. Um, I mean, that's where it's coming from, that you relax, you look at things differently, there's lots of imagination coming in. So try making some time for painting, drawing, crossword, playing. Also humor, humor is a fantastic way to get more creative because it creates links that are breaking pattern thinking. Pattern thinking is when we tend to think in the same roots. Humor relies on making different connections. Um, so, and, and there's loads of little examples, like thinking of how many uses for an object. So look for the nearest object you can see around you. It might be a paperclip. How many uses can you think of for it? So, so loads of little tasks, or it might be, I mean, at the moment in lockdown, I've been trying to learn a bit of Spanish just trying to do something which keeps your brain firing and, and that sort of thing. And are you thinking that's the kind of thing that we can do on our own at home, you know, regular little kind of exercises or, or does it need to be done in a more sustained way? I think anything that you can do is a bonus. Um, it might just be small things like, as I said, you know, trying to learn a language. I've been using a, an app 
called Duolingo. I'm sure there's other apps out there, but that's great. And that's like five minutes a day. And that's really good. I mean, I, I hated languages at school, maybe because I, I didn't see the purpose, but doing something like that or just having a few Lego bricks on your desk, just starting little by little. But it might be that you could do more things. But I, I think starting little and just, just exploring, playing, getting used to it. Um, and tolerating the ambiguity, not looking for right or wrong answers, just being happy with that little bit of play but one thing that's absolutely core to that is <laughs> fear of judgment from other people. I mean, if, if I was in the laboratory or whatever, and I had a few Lego bricks around, or if I was trying a foreign language, or if I was trying a bit of sketching, people would think, hell, what are you doing? You're wasting your time, or you're not very good at that. So a lot of the time, or a lot of the reasons we're not being creative, I think, is because of fear of judgment from others. There's, there's a great example um i think it's it's in it's in a ted talk I, I i saw i can't remember which one maybe we'll put it in the credits at the end but one of the things it does for a start is ask everybody in the room to grab a piece of paper and a pen and do a sketch a portrait sketch of the person sitting next to them in, in 60 seconds and at the end of 60 seconds you give that portrait to the person next to you and the room is just full of people apologizing and saying how sorry they are but if you ask children to do that they're not sorry they're, they're really proud of what they've done so what we have developed as we've grown up is this kind of shame and embarrassment of our work or fear of judgment from other people so I think a lot of part of creativity is getting over that fear of judgment and worrying about what other people are saying and that everything you do isn't going to be a success. Um, so lots and lots of little failures, I think, are actually going to contribute towards a bigger success in the end. I would guess that some of the people listening to this will feel slightly sceptical that a bit of play and a bit of drawing, that they could see how they could link something like that to their mm. professional research work. So can you... Can you talk through how you see the benefits of that kind of activity spilling over into the research? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think, I mean, I'm no neurobiologist, but I think creativity is about creating the sort of right paths or the right attitude or the right creative confidence. So I, I think a lot of creativity is you're giving yourself permission to do it. And if you can learn to give yourself permission to do a little bit of creativity to do something you wouldn't normally do it's going to create a sort of positive attitude towards creativity and that creative confidence so when the tasks come along in your phd or your research or the new problem comes along i think it's kind of subconscious but you are going to quite possibly be able to look at it in different ways and come up with creative solutions. So I think it's not going to come immediately. I come back to that sort of analogy of going to the gym, but starting little, getting used to it. And maybe the analogy of the gym, you get yourself fit and you get yourself strong. And then when you need it, it's going to be there that the muscles are going to be strong or the creativity is going to be strong. So yeah, I, I think, I mean, it's, it's one of those things you wish you had already. So it's, that's an investment, I guess, an investment in, the, in that preparation so you can be creative because you're never going to, there's never going to be a big sign saying you need to be creative now. <laughs> and I think a lot of the time 
you don't realize you're being creative. I think a lot of creativity is in the perception of others. Um, I mean, for instance, I, I seem to, I mean, you invited me to do this talk on creativity. I do get invited places now because people seem to see me as creative. It seems to be almost a, it becomes self-fulfilling. Once you've done a presentation on creativity, people think you're creative. And then that gives you the confidence to be a bit more creative. So I think there is a, there's a kind of a, a positive feedback cycle there, I think, of thinking yourself into it, having that confidence to do it, and then being ready when those questions or challenges come along in your research. I think that that makes loads of sense that it's, uh, you know, we need to train ourselves and give ourselves permission. And that if we if we're laying the groundwork for that, mm. you know, really from say from the start of the PhD, for, to give an example, then then it's it's, it's there when we need it. Um, just thinking about the idea of need, I wonder, are there any particular strategies around problem solving? You know, if people really have hit a block, mm. they can't seem to find a way to decide on a next step or they're really stuck on a particular problem. Are there creative strategies they could use to help them in a situation like that? Yeah, there's, there's a handful of things which are fairly straightforward. And I, I think they're really easy because when you use them, you won't feel like you're being creative. But I think what it helps you do is find the creativity that's already in you. Now, let me just give you a quick example. Um, for instance, if you've ever done the crossword and the anagram questions come along, what I find is really helpful with anagram questions is to write the letters in a circle because you're far more likely to see the connections than if you write the letters in a straight line. Now, is that creativity or not? I don't really know, but you're able to come up with a solution quicker because not because suddenly your brain is better than it was before, but you're helping your brain see connections that you couldn't otherwise see. And I've done this I, since we've been in lockdown, I've been playing a lot of Scrabble with my wife. And I know in Scrabble, you get all your letters on a very linear tile. Out of the Lego bricks that I've got, I've made myself a Scrabble board, which is now a circle. So it's got a series of shelves in a circle. So I can, and maybe this is a good way of measuring creativity. My ability to beat her at Scrabble has definitely gone up and I'm getting longer words now. <laughs> maybe I'm being, you know, or more able to access the creativity that's already there because I'm helping my brain. Anyway, that's rather a long way of answering. Or, but, but so these creative tools, I don't think you're increasing your creativity. You're just helping to find the creativity that's already there. Anyway, some of the, what, one really simple technique is the six thinking hats by the Bono. And the idea here is that the, the, the Bono's whole principle is that problems are big so you need to look at them or think about them in different ways. Yet when we think about things in multiple ways, we tend to get confused and muddled and just end up going around in circles. So De Bono says, actually, when we look at a big problem, we need to look at it in one way at a time. And he, he has six, six different ways of looking at a problem. You look at the facts, that's the white hat. So that's the objectivity, what do we already know? And then there is, you look at it with an optimistic view, that's the yellow hat, where you think of the positivity, the benefits that could happen. Then black hat, 
which is negativity. You think of what could go wrong. And there's nothing wrong with black hat, except that some people tend to do it a bit too much. But I think it's really important to think of things that could go wrong. Because sometimes you hear of cultures where, you know, we don't want to hear any negative thinking here or, or whatever. Um, but actually, that could save you a lot of time. If you spend six months working on a project and, you, and, you know, and then someone says, oh, yeah, I thought that might happen in the beginning, but I didn't want to say anything. Like, well, you need permission to have those negative voices, but in a, in a controlled way. Then there's also a red hat, which is about emotion and hunches and intuition. And again, having permission to do that because people do have hunches or intuition and again often don't say it because they feel oh, you know this can't be justified i'm a scientist or i'm a researcher or i've got a hunch well red hat gives you permission to do that um, and then there's green this is where you come on to creativity the original ideas and this is really helpful to be more creative because you've already done the thinking you've done the preparation you're now in a better position to be creative and then the final hat is blue and blue is just like, well, which hat do I go to next? Or what do I do from here? How can I, how can I move on from here? And those hats can be taken in any different order, but that's a really good example of thinking about a problem in lots of different ways, but always you've got to capture these things. You've got to write these things down. So go through the hats, write things down, and hopefully you're going to be in a better position to solve that problem. I think one of the things I like about the hats is the idea that um, it could be an individual wearing each hat in turn, or it could be a team of people taking responsibility for a particular hat, or it could just as easily be a person with six post-it notes following the, the kind of the reflective questions. It's that De Bono model is a, is a holistic way of looking at a problem, but it, it, it can be done introspectively in discussion. You know, it can be done collaboratively with, with bigger teams. It's really powerful. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think it's, as I sort of said, it's just an example of you haven't actually increased your own personal creativity, but you've sort of increased your creative output. The creativity is there. You just need some, some tools to help you do it. And again, it comes back to John Cleese's position that creativity is not a talent. It is a way of operating and trying to find that environment or the conditions or the tools to help you be more creative, it'll be there. And then you have more confidence and then maybe eventually you won't need the tools because you've got that creative confidence or people will start coming to you saying, hey, you're creative, solve this problem for us. And you think, oh my God, thank you very much. <laughs> and I suppose also we, we come to know ourselves better. So, you know, we weren't saying that some people, that everyone has a kind of, you know, a shared, potential to be creative but I think equally you know some people have a tendency to be more in the language of de Bono more black hat more critical mm, mm. to see the problems some people tend to be very positive they see all the possibilities and I think knowing knowing where our natural tendency is means that we can deliberately employ tactics that help us just balance that out slightly so uh, you, you know me I don't find it difficult to see faults in things so I need to I need to apply something like de Bono yeah to really focus on helping helping myself understand the positives and the potential and, and et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Well, if that, but it brings up a fantastic point of working with others on creativity. Um, because yeah, there, people do have natural tendencies. And if you see yourself as not being terribly creative, well, another great approach is, well, 
try and find some people who are because <laughs> you, you will have some talents as well. And, you know, say you, you're, you're sort of highlighting a talent there for, for, for problem spotting. I might have more of a talent for creativity. Well, guess what? When we come together as a team, that's a great unit. But it can cause problems as far as relationships goes because the creative person's not always going to get on terribly well with the person who criticizes and spots problems. But if those two people can understand each other, you've got a great relationship going on there. So creativity in, in teams, but I think it kind of in almost links to project management because there's, there's a time and a place for creativity as well. And there's this idea of, uh, divergent thinking and convergent thinking that creativity is not enough on its own as I said creativity you know you need to ask the right questions you need to do that preparation but some other things that are absolutely critical when you are creative is you've got to capture it so you've got to take notes because so many people are creative you know and say oh I thought of that yeah but what did you do about it nothing well you've, you've got to capture it make notes um, you've also got to evaluate it, you know, because the idea is you're probably going to have 20 ideas. One of them might be good to so capture it, evaluate it, and then you've got to act on it. That's the big thing. Can you do something with it? That's the point at which you've got to let go of the creativity and then start you know, being an implementer, really, somebody who's going to start making things happen. Um, and that's really interesting in projects, I think, that transition from the creativity to the sort of implementation, or you might call it the innovation, I guess. If you make that transition too early, there weren't enough good ideas. But if you do that too late, you haven't got enough time to deliver on the ideas you've had. So, you know, that this might be as you work in a team or as it might be as you work on your own, but you have got to decide at what point do we say we've got enough ideas now or we haven't got enough time left to deliver on the ideas that we've got we've we've got to move i think there's such an interesting analogy you're talking about project management there um, there's also just the writing process isn't there you know there's the the difference between the getting the words on the page versus you know uh, rereading redrafting um, editing what you have and some people find it easy to get the words on the page and they hate the editing and if you don't balance those two things potentially you've got long documents that don't hang together neatly or if you've got the other people that are incredibly self-critical writers trying to edit everything as they produce it they find it hard to get the text out there and you're talking about creativity mm -hmm. and innovation and convergent thinking and you know focusing on implementation understanding those as phases that one goes through I think the same mm. is true with writing isn't it there's a producing phase and an editing phase and we have to trust that we will do both yeah and I it kind of almost comes back to the Bono's ideas in that <laughs> that you know there's different ways of looking at it I need an approach to writing at some point you've got to have the ideas then you've got to do the the planning then you've got to do the editing etc so actually breaking things down into different ways of working or different ways of thinking at different times, that's absolutely critical. Otherwise, I, I think De Bono makes the analogy, you're, you're trying to juggle too many balls at the same time. You're going to drop them. So why not try and just deal with one ball at a time? And then when that's done, put it to one side and then move on to the next thing, which might be, you know, the editing, or it could be, you know, the, 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 the critical thinking of, of the 
creative ideas that you've just come up with. So trying to think in one way and do one thing properly at a time, I think that that's, that's really important. And I really find it helps to, as you say, make notes, use post-it notes, create something, but it get, get it out of your head into some form in, because that seems to help with the discipline of doing one thing at a time. So if I if I were writing notes, particularly around the positive yeah. uh, benefits of a particular activity, then once I've written that note, I can kind of literally, if I want to, pick up a different piece of paper, pick up a different pen, and start thinking then about the other question and 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 yeah, they're, yeah. they're more compartmentalized and exteriorized in a way. Oh, writing is like the turning point. I think it's because up to a point creativity is in your mind and i think you know there's so much potential there but unless you cap unless you write those things and capture them they just they're just ephemeral they just disappear they go i mean the the greeks used to have an approach to you know genius was actually something in the air i think and it came to a person and you you know uh, and it needed to find you working or with a pen in your hand or with your paintbrush in your hand or something because if it wasn't the genius was going to go and find someone else instead and you don't want it to happen to the next person in the lab or the next person in the library you want the genius to come to you so yeah capturing it and and, and i find the more that you write it down the more ideas will come and the more ideas come the more you write it down and the more you write it down the more ideas will come so writing it down breaks that cycle of just the ideas being a jumble in your mind or you know sometimes especially when you're trying to do something like write your phd dissertation your mind is so jumbled especially when you're trying to sleep so writing things down i, I think that's absolutely critical in creativity and i am a big advocate actually of, of written notes as well because I, I think you know there's lots of fantastic apps out there but i've never had a great relationship with you know apps for recording ideas whereas notebooks i've got loads and loads of them and i know exactly where they are and we talked about you know failures and things but bad ideas are also incredibly important <laughs> because you're never going to have a good idea until you've had a bad idea but if you handwrite them and you have a bad idea, you just put a line through it. It's still there. Whereas if you do that electronically, I find you you delete that idea and it really has gone forever. So I, I, I love the idea of handwriting notes and flicking back over things, looking over things and getting more ideas later on. I love that um, idea that crossing something out doesn't erase it it just you know it's a, a sort of marker that we think that's not the idea to go with but we haven't eradicated the evidence of the idea we had i love that yeah that's really absolutely and, and and you know there's great history for this and, and and well as well as you know writing things down you can make sketches immediately and you might think this is a bit ridiculous but if you look at you know you google leonardo da vinci's sort of lab books or whatever they were and they're, they're just absolutely jam-packed full of sketches and notes sketches and notes this this is all part of creativity it's, you know sometimes you can jot something down as a picture quicker than you can write it down and you can share it with someone else so uh yeah i i think reconnecting with pen and paper is is a critical part of uh, of creativity and having a bunch of colored felt tips and some blank unlined paper as well and that's where mind maps and things come in as well because it's non-linear 
I, I'm talking to you with um, three mugs full of felt tip pens right next Good. to me, I, but I don't have the blank paper, so I know what I need to get from Amazon. Um, Gez, we're almost out of time. I wondered if you wanted to wrap up with any final messages or any sort of top tips for researchers that you want to leave them with. I'm particularly going to take away the the, the, the quote about um, creativity not being a talent, but a way of working and the power of crossing something out, but not erasing it. <laughs> I wondered if you wanted to finish with anything. I think, um, or just some of those top tips would be, you've got to think yourself into it. I mean, if you look at creativity, sorry, creative people, they often do look slightly wacky. And if putting different coloured socks on makes you feel more creative than go and do it. It can be a matter of a state of mind. So think yourself into it. Stop worrying about what other people think. That, that sort of self-editing, that's going to get in the way of creativity. Nurturing it with some little games and puzzles, anything you can do to grow that confidence. Um, being happy with failure. I mean, tolerating it. Tolerating things can go wrong. Um, what else can we say? I think getting getting lots of stimulation as well. It's very difficult to be creative in a in a silent library or or a laboratory. Go outside. If you look at people like Darwin, they they walked and walked. And the maths department in Cambridge, I think, is a great example. They've got a a grassed roof there with a circular path where you can walk and walk. So get some stimulation. Avoid negative voices while you're trying to be creative. They are important but not in the creative phase and try and find some tools such as, yeah, mind mapping or, or, uh, or the six thinking hats. There's lots more out there, but I think that's probably all I'd recommend for now. That is absolutely fantastic, guys, and I, I think so helpful at this time as well. I'm not sure how, <laughs> I'm not sure how lockdown living is affecting people's creativity, but it feels like it's slightly hampering mine. So having some tactics that I can use to uh, re-energize and reconnect with that inner sort of innovation is really helpful. So thank you so much for your time today. Okay, thank you. It's a pleasure to talk to you, Steve. <laughs>